might be a scripture. Just catch that. Amen. Wow. What a, what a morning already. I just, uh, I don't want to muddy the beautiful waters we've been swimming in. Um, but Kirk and I had a chuckle there. You might have seen that. So uh, just let you, because I'm, I'm a friend and a family member here now, and I'm kind of that friend that lets himself in the back door, you know, like, oh, it's just David coming in, you know. And so when I get to that level of relationship and friendship with people, I explain to them that my name's David and it's never Dave. Because right, I always say, hi, I'm David, and people go, g'day, Dave, how are you? I'm like, do you not hear the ID on the end of my name? It's David, you know. So uh, anyway, Kirk and I have that sort of friendship, and uh, that, that he knows my name's David. But if you notice, he introduced me as Dave Thomas, you know, which what, is that's what always happens, right? Like, we love David, and come on, Dave Thomas, come on up and speak. So anyway, that was that little chuckle that we had together. And now you know that my name's David a, a, a tradesman friend of mine, he says, so why are you so obsessed that your name's David and not Dave, right? And he's a brother, a Christian friend. And I looked at him and said, in the Bible, do you ever read about King Dave? <laughs> I got to tell you, I'm just like, I'm tickled pink right now. just so thrilled and privileged to be able to to preach here with you, my friends and family, and to be part of this special day with Carl and Emily and Kiara. It's like Papa Tom gets to preach, and yeah, wow, really special for me. So thank you, thank you to you guys for just saying yes, and Kirk inviting me. And the theme of today, right, the theme that I've been hearing, the theme that that we've been worshipping and singing about is God's faithfulness. I love that, that Carl and Emily, right at the start of Kiara's life, come here together in a stance and declaration of faith to say, God, we don't know what the future brings. This little beautiful girl didn't come with an instruction book. So we're asking for your faithfulness upon her life, all of her days. And I stand in agreement and declaration with that. And I've got to tell you, I am the recipient of that, that my parents dedicated me to the Lord and said, God, let your faithfulness be on him. And, and I've seen those prayers answered numerous times. I'll share some of that today. I'm also a fellow partner in that prayer as I've stood with my two sons who now stand above me, but at one stage I could hold, and say, God, let your faithfulness be on them. Let you watch over them all, this, all their days. Because we live in a world that has a level of uncertainty to it, Yeah. And, and, and maybe that uncertainty is even increasing. Like, you know, we're, we're just getting through COVID and then interest rates are rising up and we can't guarantee what tomorrow will be like and we never could. Even this last couple of weeks, there's been this tension, this, this uncertainty about where the NRL grand final is going to be. And, you know, and finally, you know, wisdom prevailed and <laughs> that's so offside, isn't it? You notice I didn't mention anything about the state of origin. <laughs> but, I, you know, I appreciate the, the work of a, a friend of mine, Alan Siler from Newfield Institute. He talks about how humans work. And, 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 and he's not a believer, but his insights are, are profound. He, he recognises that as humans, if, if we try to oppose and reject uncertainty in our life, we'll actually produce anxiety. That's what happens. We try to resist uncertainty, say it can't happen. 
We actually will feel a mood of anxiety, but when we say, you know, uncertainty is a part of life, we accept it, then we actually move into this, this space of wonder. And it's the space of wonder is where God moves. Is that, that, that's where the faithfulness of God comes in. It's like, well, God, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I wonder what you're going to do. We have this saying in our house when everyone, anyone comes in with like tension or anxiety or a problem, we just go, well, I wonder what God's going to do. Well, they want. We want to join in the anxiety attack, right? We want to join in the panic. But we just, we say, no, we're going to go to the space of wonder and like, God, that's where you move because you're a faithful God. I want to tell you today that faithfulness and the faithfulness of God, that is our home base. That's where we're starting from. That's where we'll land in, in about an hour and a half. And <laughs> if I was Ken Fish, I could. He preaches for like two hours. No, for the next 20 minutes or so. But in, in preparing this message, uh, I, as I waited on the Lord, I, I just felt like I should just stop and pause in this moment and just ask you, where is it in your life right now in this season of time that you've got uncertainty, that you've got more questions than you've got answers, you've got concerns, even worries, and, and you would say today to God, God, that's where I need you to be faithful. I just feel impressed with the Holy Spirit to say he wants to meet you there in that space today. And what just came to mind, just right now for you, that's where he wants to meet you. Kirk asked me if, he'd, if I'd share a bit of my story and how I, I came to met Christ. This, this verse in Matthew 13, these are new. Papa Tom. Yeah, I, I tried. Matthew 13, I'm not allowed to make jokes about the print of my Bible getting smaller, so I had to buy glasses. Jesus, I use it every time. I'm not allowed to do it anymore. Jesus said this in Matthew 13, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went out and sold all he had, and he bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had and he bought it. Jesus is, is describing this treasure, this gift that, that changes and captures every part of who you are. So great that you'd give up anything else for it. He said, that's what God is like. When we encounter him, it's, if I was to put my words on this, on this text, I would say, when God gets real, right? When God gets real in your life. Not just like a, a figure out there, like I met a lady last week at a wedding and we started talking about faith and Tracy actually started the conversation and, and she said, yeah, I believe in God. I, I refer to him as the universe. You know, I just, I pray to the universe and I'm like, well, that's, that's safe, isn't it? Because God's out there. But what Jesus is talking about here is when God walks in the room real, right? When God invades your space real. And you're like, I'm, I can't be the same again. I've encountered the, the creator of heaven and earth and he spoke to me and he loved me and I'm not the same. That's what Jesus is saying. There's a treasure that God invites us into to search for and he said God gets real in that space. So real. You'd give up everything for it. 
Kirk asked if I'd share my story about what that was like for me. Well, I think everyone's journey and story into when God gets real is unique and it's worth celebrating. Mine's unique, like anyone else's, unique in some interesting sort of ways. So my dad was a pastor, 41 years as a, as a pastor, faithfully served the Lord and the church. But it was back in the time in the last century when, when like, it was really common for if you were the pastor of a church that you lived on the church property, which is a joy as a kid. <laughs> so I lived in this house for all of my childhood and teenage years. I lived in this house next to the church. And I'd get teased about it at school by the other kids. Oh, you live in the church? I'm like, I don't live in the church. I, I live next to the church, yeah, like on the same property, but I don't live in the church. But if I was to use Jesus' metaphor, it's like about the field, it's like, well, I live next to the field. And in growing up in the church, and your dad is the pastor, and I learnt all about the field. In fact, I knew a lot about the field. Uh, If you ask me questions about the field, I could answer your questions about the field. I knew knew where the fence on the field was. I knew what it was to be in the field or out of the field. I knew where the gate to get into the field was. I knew how to unlock the gate to get into the field or to lock it again. And then sometimes people would come and visit the field, sometimes family friends or visitors' friends. They'd come and they say, oh, do you know about the field? I say, oh, I know all about the field. Because we've got some questions about the field. I'm like, it's a good field. I've lived next door to this field all my life. Really? Because we've looked at some other fields. I'm like, I oh, know you've looked at other fields, but this is a good field. And they say, should we buy the field? I say, you should buy the field. It's a good field. I know all about it. I can answer all your questions about the field. And they say, have you bought the field? I say, oh, I put a deposit on it kind of going to invest in that a little bit later in life. But I like the field. It's a good field. You could tell my story from several different angles, but I want to pick up on this one. I don't think I've shared this with you before, but one night when I was about 20 years old, I was, I was driving. It was a summer's evening. A, a summer storm had just kind of visited us and put rain on the road, but it had moved on. I was driving Dad's car. And uh, I was running a little bit late, which is not like me at all. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm driving a bit late and I thought, you know, here's how I'll save time. I'll do my hair in the mirror while I go. Because, you know, it was back there in the 90s. I had the Malay, the you know, business at the front, party at the back. And so I'm doing my hair in the mirror, driving along 100 kilometres on this kind of country sort of road, single lane. And I'm driving along and I look up and the road had veered a bit and I hadn't veered. And there was a car coming the other direction and I saw it just in time for me to swerve like this and our side mirrors clipped at 100 kilometres an hour. The glass from my mirror came in my open window so I swerved more and my car went over an embankment which is about the size of this and went into the bushes and there was a tree here and a tree there and my car parked in between the two trees. I got out and I thought, that was interesting. And I, I went and saw the, the driver of the other car, well, talk about a moment of sobriety, young couple, pregnant. No one hurt, not a scratch. 100 kilometres an hour, both mirrors smashed. 
And I'm like, hey, well, it's my dad's car. Why don't we go talk to him and tell him what's happened, right? And I go back to the scene of the accident once we sort out the details. I meet the tow truck driver there. And I look at the mound of dirt that I'd driven over in my skill. And there was this big concrete block there. And, and I said to the tow truck driver, I'm glad I didn't go over that. And he said, no, you went straight over that. Here's your tyre marks. He said, how fast were you going? I said, I was going 100. That was the speed limit. It wasn't speed. I was going 100. He said, there's no way you're going 100 kilometres an hour. Hit that concrete, hit that mound and didn't flip the car. I tell you, that moment God got real. My brother-in-law was with me. He's a vineyard pastor. He looked at me. I, I'm like, yeah, I know that. God just got real. And I'd been kind of, I'd put a deposit on the field and, and, and I knew the field was good, but I'm like, God, I don't know if I want it to cost me anything, everything. Later that night, in the early hours of the morning, I went back to that accident scene, that site, and I said, God, I'm buying the field. Whatever it costs, you just show me where to go, I'm in. Show me the treasure. And I felt like from that moment, for the last 30 odd years, the Lord has been showing me the treasure of the field. Six months later, he spoke to me as I drove home at that very spot. He spoke to me and said, go to the Vineyard School of Ministry in America that you've heard about. I met Kirk there, ended up working there, ended up planting a vineyard church from there. Because in, in that moment in time as a 20-year-old, when I saw God get real and invade my life with his grace and his mercy and his faithfulness to care for me from the prayers of my parents, I said, God, wherever you lead me, I'll go. I'm buying the field. And I, can I just share with you one encouragement about what a, what, a, what a shift I had to take in my own life of what that was like to go from being a, a, a person that lived outside the field to buying the field. There was a significant shift that I've had to take and I've, I continue to take this shift almost daily. And that shift is this. I had to move from a transactional interaction with God into the mystery of intimacy. I had to move from this place of like, well, God, if I say the right prayers, if I do the right things, if my behaviour is right, then, then you'll, be, you'll be good, right? This quid pro quo approach to God. God, I'll do my part, you do your part. And God says, that's not enough. But it's so normal for us because we live in this, in a culture that is, is so external. So much emphasis is placed on the peripheral, like how we look. Who do we know? How successful we are. And none of that's wrong. I got a haircut before I came to church yesterday. I'm not saying that's morally wrong. I'm just saying it doesn't cut it because it's not about soul. And I just want to tell you, if, if you're digging in the field and you're thinking that you're going to find a genie in a bottle and if you just rub him the right way, then he's going to give your, you your three wishes for life. I want to promise you, you're digging in the wrong field. Because God's not the God of transactional interaction. He's the God of mystery intimacy. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, Scott read this verse in John 17. Uh, I was going to quote it. Ken Fish preached all about it yesterday. <laughs> I, but I know this, God's not shy to repeat himself. So if you're hearing this for the third time, then God wants to say something, right? This, in Jesus' praise, Scott read the, the text in John 17. Jesus says, God, I want how you're in me and I'm in you, I want them to be in us. And in John 15, like, I'm the vine, you're the branches, remain in me. 
You know, John 14, like, if, if you pray to me, then the Father and I will come to you and make our home in you. So it literally means our dwelling place will be you. So the mystery of this treasure in the field is not this like, hey, God, I'm just going to behave and put it all on the external. It's this, this intimate mystery of, of intimate relationship with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we get invited into that Trinity relationship. And that has to happen, happen from the inside out. It's never from the outside in. It's always from the inside out. You know why? Because sin came from the outside in. That broke our relationship when Adam and Eve ate the, ate the fruit, right? It literally, they took fruit and they took it in. Party talks about it in his book. It, and it, sin became part of them. But God said, I've got a plan, a purpose, and that's that I'm going to come back and breathe life in you by my Holy Spirit like I did at the start of creation, and life's going to come from the inside out. And I'm going to rejoin you into intimate relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not this transactional interaction. It's just this mystery of like, God, how do I know you? This mystery of like God saying, I want you to know me. I want you to know me. In fact, I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to pursue you so you know me. And I just want to give you just, just three three handles to hang on to. You know, I, I, if, if you want to follow the, the universe, that's, that's a pretty safe thing to do, right? And your friends at work, they're going to be fine with that. They're not going to give you any trouble if you're like, yeah, I'm spiritual and I'm just going after the universe. You go to work and say, you know, I've given my heart to Jesus and his Holy Spirit came in and I'm, I'm never the same. They're going, no one's cheering you for that, really. There might be one or two to say, I think I might need it. But no one's kind of cheering you along there, right? Because it's, it's kind of threatening that God could be so close and personal. It's kind of like you're in a, the, this raft on this river of life and it's got some rapids and, and you're just hanging on. You're hanging on to the handles of like, how do I, Jesus, you're in the boat, but how, would, how do we get through these rapids of life? Can I just give you three things from one of my favourite verses in Scripture? It's in the Old Testament, Zephaniah 3.17. I'm about four pages ahead. Zephaniah 3.17, here's the promise of the Lord. It says, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He rejoice over you with singing. Here's the first handle you're going to hang on to when you're riding this. I can't see if I have them on. <laughs> this is new. Here's the first handle you're going to hang on to and hang on to it for, for dear life. Here's the handle. It all starts with him. It all starts with him. See, I didn't find a treasure in the field. I was led to the treasure in the field. I was pushed to the treasure in the field. It was almost like God was like, just dig, just dig. Find this treasure. 
There was nothing of me that found the treasure. The Holy Spirit drew me to him, right? It all starts with him. It says here, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. And it says, he takes great delight in you. He takes great delight. Just sit there for a minute. Here, the Father in heaven takes great delight in you and you and you and you. Matthew Henry in his commentary says this, not only does the Father love his people, but he loves loving his people. You know, in my early days of following Jesus, it was much easier when I'd I'd come to meet with him, and I still wrestle with this, that's why I've got to hang on to the handle. It was much easier for me just to bring up the bad stuff, right? You come and meet with God and it's like, well, God, if I can just appease you and I'll just confess all the bad stuff straight away, then, then we can go on with, like, business of relationship. And one day I was sitting in a, in a church service like this and my, my pastor, David Parker, in the States, he said this thing I'll never forget. He said, if when you come to pray to the Father, the first thing that you do is repent for your sins, then you've probably never encountered the Father's love. Whoa. Even, even in the Lord's Prayer, repentance is like three quarters of the way down the list, right? Because why? Because the Father takes great delight in you. I have to wrestle, I have to wrestle that, I have to contemplate that, and I have to hang on to that. Because when I come, and if I say, well, Father, I kind of, kind of, I'd think you would like, you'd put up with me. Or you'd tolerate me. Or you'd endure me. All right, come along. If we have to have you, come on, David. Join the family, come on, come on in, if we have to. Father loves to love you. Could you imagine a parent, now that you're parents, those who are your parents or grandparents, could you imagine your child comes in from school, comes running in the door, Mom, Dad, Dad, Okay, I've had this great day at school and I just want to tell you all about it. Or, or Mom, Dad, I've had this hard day at school and I just need to tell you all about it. And you go, whoa, 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 whoa. Tell me all the bad stuff first. Tell me all the things you've done wrong. Is there anything I need to spank you for that I don't know about? Let's get that out of the way first and then we have a relationship. Could you imagine that? You would never do that as a parent, right? But we do it with God. When we come to God, we're like, oh, I'm coming to God. Okay, let me tell you all about the bad stuff and we get, get done with that and then we can have a relationship. God's like, no, 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 no. I take great delight in you. I, take, I loved it when my sons were young and I'd pick them up from school and, and they'd run across the playground. Dad! And they'd just run. I'd get down. Pick them up and it's son, son. Hold them. You know, so and now they're like, Dad, I'm like, can you pick me up? And, because one's like six foot three and one's just bearing six foot. And, but you know, Jesus says this, this thing, like, he says, if, if you parents know how to good, give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more does the Father love to pour out his spirit upon you? How much more? You know, this, this journey of following Jesus is living in that space of how much more. Because the treasure never ends. You're just digging in this field. It's like, wow, 
There's this love, grace, compassion of God. It doesn't, it doesn't end. And the Father says, how much more? Paul says it in Romans 5 about four or five times. If when we were sinners, Christ died for us, how much more will we have life in his name? If by, the, if by the, the transaction of one man, sin came upon the world, how much more by the grace of God and the gift of Jesus Christ will you reign in life? How much more? Following Jesus, hanging onto this handle that it all begins with him, is living in the space of how much more? You know what stops us from coming into that space? Shame stops us. Because that's what we're trying to do when we, when we come to God and we want to tell him this bad stuff first. Shame comes up like Adam behind the bush. You know, the, the delight of God upon your life is greater than any shame. Just, just hold that today. If you hear nothing else, the delight of God upon your life is greater than any shame. Breaks the shame, demolishes the shame. What can I say? Oh my gosh, it's ten thirty. I just, I just want to tell you this, right? I'll just say this real quickly. But this delight of God, He He delights upon you. That means He thinks of you. He thinks of you. And he moves towards you and for you. And just over a week ago, I was a bit down in the dumps at at work. Just working by myself. Tracy knows when I work by myself because I come home a bit like, yeah, yeah, it's all right. I'm a people person. I don't like working by myself. I was a bit down in the dumps and I'm having a little bit of a pity party. And here I am at work again by myself. And I get a text message from Kirk. And he says, hey, you're coming up for the dedication? Yeah, I'm coming up. Do you want to preach? Can I preach? Because me and Jesus, we love doing this. This is, this is God delighting on me right now. I hope it's good for you, but this is God's gift that I get to be here and share his word and watch his spirit move on you. I'm just like, God, this is a gift because he delights on me. Yeah? All right. It all starts with him. It's all held together by him. God is the one doing the heavy lifting in this relationship. Yeah, it's all him. It says there, he will quieten you with his love. You know, there's nothing quiet about a restless soul. There's nothing quiet about a rebellious soul. There's nothing quiet about a soul that is filled with fear and insecurity. There's nothing quiet about an angry soul. It's just filled with pain that it's just taking all the energy to keep that pain from bursting through the surface. There's nothing quiet about a soul that strives for identity and esteem through the affirmation of others. There's nothing quiet about a soul that escapes life through alcohol, sex, or any other form of addiction. There's nothing quiet about a soul that even tries to escape into isolation. Because even in that space, there's still this turmoil of where is true life? Is this my true self? But the gift of who God is, he comes to quiet our soul. To bring our soul at peace. Because all our self-effort doesn't work. I was very deliberate when my sons were young and they'd fall down or something bad would happen. I was very deliberate in my words. I'd pick them up and I'd hold them and I'd say to them in their ear, I'd say, it's all right, Dad's got you. 
dad's got you. Dad's got you. And the reason I did that is because I know there'll come a time in their life as adults where their soul will be restless and I want them to hear the Father in heaven say, it's all right, dad's got you. The spirit of his love quiet their soul because dad's got you. He's doing the heavy lifting. It all begins with him. It continues with him. It's all held together by him and it continues with him. That's my third and final point here. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Its mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. What's the next line? Great is your faithfulness. We've just hit home base. It begins with him. It's held together by him and it continues with him because his faithfulness is great. Even when we are faithless, he is still faithful because he cannot disown himself too, Peter says. He, he is the faithful God and he's not, in his faithfulness, he is not passive. He pursues us and he hunts us down and he says, I'm not going to be content with you living outside the field. I want you in the field and I want you finding the treasure. I love, one of my favourite verses is, is Revelation 3.20. It says, behold, Jesus says, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking and I want you to open the door because we're going to come in. I've got food. I've got wine. We're going to eat together. We're going to have a relationship. I want to draw you into this mystery union of Father, Son and Holy Spirit and I'm not content until I do. I have a, I have a picture that's not that one. Is there a picture there, Neil, of this Revelation 3.20? How terrible is that? Right? Did you ever see this picture? If you've been in church long enough, like I have, right, you got a, you got a little bookmark with this picture on it. This is Jesus standing at the door of your heart. No, no, it's not. That's like passive, meek and mild Jesus going, hello, is anyone home? I don't, don't want to bother you. I hope it's not too late if I bother you. Jesus wants to bother you. I don't, I don't think Revelation 3.20 is anything like that. I think it's more like Sheldon of the Big Bang Theory, like, David, David, David. In fact, I even think it's more like Zephaniah 3.20. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I think Jesus is at the door of our heart. He's got a band there and he's singing love songs over us. He's like, hey, I got food. I got wine. Let me in. We're going to party. I want you to know me. I'm not going away until you open the door. So you can scrap that photo. Jesus, nothing like that. He rejoices over you with singing. It literally is this active movement of twirling around and singing love songs over you. Wow. It's not, hello. It's this Pounding. In fact, Neil was so great, he gave me some historical context. He said in, in Roman's time, the Roman soldiers could come and pound on your door and say, open up, give us food. Jesus is pounding at the door of our hearts. He's meaning to bother us. Why? Because he's got a treasure that he wants you to find. Great is his faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. It begins with him. It's held together by him and it continues with him. We stand... Let's pray. Father, I just want to welcome your Holy Spirit.
We declare, God, great is your faithfulness over the life of every person in this room right now and that your mercy towards us is new today, this morning. You are pouring out new mercies on us, God. And as I started this preach and there's things of your heart and concern where you're like, yeah, God, that would, be, that would be there, would you just open your hands and say, God, that one. Would you come and meet me, Lord, in that space of my life? Lord, would you show me your faithfulness in that space of my life? Maybe I've been outside the field. Maybe I, haven't, maybe I haven't dug around the treasure for a while. God, would you come and bring renewal? Renewal of this mystery of intimately knowing you? Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and meet us. Because you delight in us. Lord, I just want to, where there's been places of shame, And it's so quick for us to bring to you the list of things in our lives that should disqualify us. I pray you'd break shame in Jesus' name right now. He's not stopping. He will not stop. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Lord. More of you, God. More, Lord. God's just doing his business. It's what he does. He undoes us. More, Lord. I just want to, I, I want to break this, this idea of transactional interaction with God. The thought that you could just keep God at distance, live a fairly moral life. And I, I, want, to, I want to break that in Jesus' name and just bring the wonder, the wonder of Father, Son, Holy Spirit pursuing you. I'm going to release joy, the joy of the Father over you. Hear him take great delight in you. This one is mine, he says to the angels. This one is mine. This one is mine. There's a new song I'm singing because this one's mine now. Great is your faithfulness. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Right now they are new. Lord, we don't just visit that place. We live in that place. You draw us into that place, God. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Amen. There's always room for more prayer. Don't, don't, if whatever the Lord's doing, there's going to be people here to pray for you. Don't, don't miss this moment.
the Lord's doing stuff. But I just want to thank Kirk and Nicole for having me again. Bring you greetings from the Cabramatta Vineyard, our friends and family there. It's been my joy to be with you. God bless you guys. Thanks, David. Just hang here for a minute, mate. Again, that's a big invitation to, if you would like some prayer, please come on down the front here and there'll be people to meet with you and pray with you. We do want to invite you to hang around. The young guys have, have done a great job of cooking the barbecue up down the back there. So hang around, have, a, have, have some barbecue together and connect with each other and meet each other. But otherwise, we do want to say, um, not just if you want some ministry, but if you know, as in the personal relational stuff. But if you've got parts of your body that are broken and aren't working, we believe Jesus loves to heal the sick. And so if you want to see those parts fixed up, made new and working again, we believe that's on God's heart for you just as much as he wants to deal with the the soul stuff as well. So we say God bless you. Thanks for coming today. Just feel free to come on down as you do. Neil's going to pop some music on over the back there and um, enjoy the fellowship. And Carl and M, bless you guys. There's M. Can't see Carl. Oh, down the back. Good on you guys. Bless you. And thanks to all your friends and family for coming along today. It's great to have you here at the Vineyard. <laughs>